Hey, what's going on, everybody? I'd like to thank you all for tuning in to the show. Got my crew with me, Darnell and Tyler. I'm Trey, and we are coming your way with the 76th edition of the Don't Kill the Messengers podcast. About to do things a little different this week. Instead of us touching on, um, you know, typical news, to- news topics for the week, uh, we're about to actually get into our annual DKM awards. Uh, we'll just give out some awards to, uh, some athletes that we felt were deserving for each category, uh, that we're about to present. So, first category that we're about to get into is uh favorite news story uh, that we felt was the best for the year. Um, guys, what what was your favorite news story? For me, um, I'm going to go with the Chicago Cubs winning the World Series. 108 years of agony. Uh, that's a long time to wait for a championship. And, uh, you know, they had... You know, the Steve Bartman accident multiple years ago and a lot of pain that led to this moment, but they got a lot, a lot of promise in the last couple of years. Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo, uh, you know, the leadership of David Ross and a lot of things came together. Joe Madden coming over as, you know, the manager. Just it was pretty incredible watching these lovable losers turn into World Series champions, you know, coming from someone who's not even a Cubs fan. I mean, you kind of had to want history to be broken here. Um, you know, just <clears throat> realizing that, you know, if any of my teams ever win 108 years without a championship, you know, it'd be pretty, pretty special to see them win. You know, you know I'm kind of waiting on my Lions right now. So <laughs> I, I under, I understand what it is to wait for a championship. And uh, to see the Cubs finally get one was pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it was definitely a fun one there. Uh, For me, uh, from the time I went to the happy story, uh, I'm going with (laughs) the the downer one. Uh, I mean, I I know the category is favorite story, but I feel it's it's kind of the most lasting and impactful story of the last year or so, and that's the Colin Kaepernick saga, uh, which is still going to this day. Yeah, for about uh, a year now. So yeah, yeah. So I mean, we we it's transition. Uh, it was it's gone from him initially taking his his stand or knee in this case, uh, and you know getting all the backlash. You know, gaining a starting role because he was a backup when this started. And going to the end of the season and now with him struggling to get a job, even with uh, other quarterbacks that are lower caliber to him getting jobs and, you know, news coming up as of even today where owners are, it's coming to light that it's not talent or anything else like that is seriously, do they want their teams to have to deal with the, the fan possible fan backlash and, and media pressure that would come along with signing him. So, I mean, it's been the story has legs and it's still going to go possibly for another year. Yeah, absolutely. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if it goes until he decides to call it quits. Yeah. Un- un- unfortunately for him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I went with the same as Darnell here uh, with Colin Kaepernick taking the knee. Uh, so always, you know, we talk about sports, you know, the key thing in sports is, you know, always, you know, who's going to win, who, uh, you know, we look, focus on the numbers and everything like that, you know, who's scoring the most touchdowns, who's putting the ball in the rim the most and all that. But, uh, here's an individual right here, had a pretty good season. I mean, could have been better, could have been worse, but 
Uh, here was a guy that was making pretty good money in the NFL, but decided, you know what? Uh, this is something bigger, uh, than football out there. You know, people are getting, uh, mistreated, people getting killed and whatnot. So just decided to take a stand. So a lot of people were mad at him about it. Um, and whatnot, you know, said crazy, uh, you know, racist comments, getting death threats, all types of things. But, uh, the guy is standing firm for what is he, what he believes in. Uh, you know, he just wants to help, you know, he took a stand on the field, but this is a guy that, you know, put in work off the field. He gave his money to a lot of, uh, uh, companies and whatnot out there that needed help, uh, to help people, uh, travel the world to help people as well. So, uh, Colin Kaepernick, uh, is just a stand up guy. You know, he's a guy that just, uh, backed up, uh, for what he stood up for. So, uh, gotta give it to him. I uh, just really appreciate him taking the time to, not just worry about, you know, just focus on winning and collecting a check, but just helping people. So, uh, gotta give it to him. Uh, any other comments on this, guys? Uh, yeah, I guess I'll touch real quick a second on that Kaepernick story. You know, it's not too often that a lot of sports stories stand the test of time. Uh, I think both of the ones we mentioned, uh, definitely will be talked about for quite some time. Yeah. Um, you know, one being for more historical reasons, the other being for, you know, social justice reasons. And, you know, I do think it's great that Kaepernick's willing to take a stand for what he, he chose to, or take the knee, like Darnell said, you know, um, for the issue of his choice. I just wonder how that's going to affect athletes moving forward um as much as you know the cubs winning the world series is a great story too that's not going to have an effect on people yeah uh, it's not going to have a major effect on how players choose to speak you know now the kaepernick story i, I just think it's going to be interesting in the next you know even sports calendar year you know if we want to start that with football how a lot of these athletes are going to choose to handle whether it's a social justice issue or a, you know, say there's, you know, a natural disaster that happened and an athlete says something about that. I just find it, I'm going to find it super interesting to see how athletes choose to handle more world problems moving forward. Yeah. Uh, just to add some of that too, uh, you know, this week, uh, you know, I'm a Baltimore Ravens fan, so uh, they, were, they were discussing whether or not they should add them. Um, I would really love to see Baltimore if they could uh, to get Kaepernick on the team. Uh, just looking at the history of Baltimore, I'm a Ray Lewis fan. Uh, this guy doesn't have a clean record at all. You know, he was uh, on trial for murder. And, uh, you know, Jamal Lewis, he was another uh, great running back for him. Uh, he was uh, having his trouble. Uh, you know, with the justice system and whatnot. So, uh, Ravens gave those guys a chance. Uh, I would like to see them give Kaepernick a chance. So that would, that would be really good if he could, uh, start his career over with, uh, the Baltimore Ravens. I would like to see that. So. All right, guys. Anything else for this one? Well, I think we covered it. All right. Uh, up next, we're about to get into the farewell award also known as the best athlete to retire this year. Um, who did you guys put for that? You can start this one, Darnell. All right. 
All right. Uh, for this one, I, I I went with a female and male counterparts on this one. Uh, for female, I went with Misha Tate. Uh, she was a one of those building blocks for female MMA. Uh, she never got as famous as a Rousey or a Gina Carano, uh, but I mean, she she was always the grinder, always in the top top half of her division. Uh, she did uh, gain championships in Strike Force, and and just before uh, retiring in the UFC, she did uh, get to the top of that that mountain and and got a UFC belt. Uh, but then after losing the title and losing the follow up fight to uh, Raquel Pennington, she she fell on the sword there and, and said that you know if the fire was extinguished, she she was done. Uh, did it in a very professional way, and and she's made a nice transition into commentating uh, on the sport for Fox Sports. So uh, I just wanted to give her that notoriety for being you know a, a legend of the sport in her own right. And on the male side, I, w- I went with uh, Big Poppy, uh, David Ortiz, uh, longtime cleanup hitter, home run basher for for the Red Sox. Uh, it was just I think he was one of the best to ever do it, especially uh, on the offensive side of the field. So wanted to give him that recognition too. Yeah, I, I uh, let Darnell go first there because I'm going to piggyback on him. Um, another great thing about Big Poppy was the, he was always a good soundbite. He always had something good to say. Great in the locker room. Uh, you know, he, you know, always seemed to be one of the more lovable guys in the league. And that's, as fans, something you love to see. You like to see, you know, a guy who's willing to joke around and, you know, have a great time, but also get it done on the field too. I, I, for me, one of the more memorable moments of Big Poppy was when they were down 3-0 to the Yankees. Uh, they came back, took that series 4-3. Uh, first team in baseball, I believe, to ever come back from 3-0. And he just hit clutch hit after clutch hit. Uh, and that's something that's always stuck with me for him. You know, he always seemed to be a clutch type player. A lot of walk-offs, uh, you know, just big hits. And, you know, he was, he was in the league for, for a while. He was stood the test of time and, uh, always enjoyable to watch, always enjoyable to hear in a, in an interview. Uh, you know, it's weird not seeing him in a Red Sox uniform this year, but, uh, you know, great player, uh, miss watching him. And that's why I give New work. Well, I'm not a Boston Red Sox fan, so. <laughs> I got to go with my Yankees guy, uh, A-Rod. I know a lot of people hate him, but, you know, he helped bring championships. <laughs> yeah, you mean A-Roy? <laughs> yeah, you know, a lot of people don't like him, you know. Uh, you know, I was just reading stories not that long ago about him and Jeter uh, still going at it and whatnot. But, uh, you know, .295 batting average, over 3,000 hits, uh, 696 home runs. Over 2,000 runs batted in. This guy, uh, put in the work. You know, this is gonna, he's gonna be tainted with the whole steroids thing, uh, for sure. But, um, you know, the guy really, uh, when he went out there, you could tell he's passionate about the sport and what he does. So, 
Um, I got to give that to A Rod. Uh, it's no disrespect to Ortiz, but you know he wore yeah he wore the wrong jersey. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, also uh, you know Darnell, I do like your pick for Misha Tate. Um, I can agree with you um, on that one as well for the uh, women. You know what she did uh, to help bring uh, females into uh, mixed martial arts was just uh, tremendous. You know she. Like you said, she doesn't get the uh, respect uh, and recognition that Rousey um, has gotten in the sport. But, uh, you know, she's definitely one of the pioneers for the sport. Uh, but another guy sticking to the UFC, uh, this is one um, that it was shocked me uh, when he first announced his re- retirement. But Anthony Rommel Johnson, um, this guy could have went down as one of the greatest uh, light heavyweights of all time. I uh, did not get the belt. Uh, but this guy was going in the ring, knocking people out um, left and right. So uh, very uh, great athlete to watch. Uh, just very entertaining to watch in the ring. Uh, always had to keep your eyes glued on the guy because he can knock you out in a split second. So uh, that was just a guy I had to mention. Uh, that was very shocking uh, to just hear about his retirement. Because uh, I still believe he had a lot left in the tank. Um, but, you know, had some other business ventures he wanted to get into. So. But all right, guys, anything else for this award? I think all the names you gave were pretty deserved. Yeah. Except maybe A. Yeah. A ride <laughs> for the Hall of Fame, guys. We got to get them in there. So. <laughs> yeah. Mark <laughs> McGuire. Mark Hall McGuire. Yeah. I don't think Mark McGuire's in yet. So. All, right. all right, guys, uh, for Rivalry of the Year, uh, who wants to start this off? Uh, I'll give it a go here. Uh, I went with Duke, North Carolina. Uh, I know Trey kind of got his first real taste of it this year, uh, yeah. and he enjoyed it. Um, I remember before their first meeting this year, uh, they had played 96 games. Each team had won 46 games, and each team had scored 7,437 points. Like, yeah. that's unbelievable. The, the odds of that happening are bizarre. Like you've played almost a hundred games with equal wins and equal points. Like I, I don't ever remember that happening in any other two team sport. You know, it's it, to me that's incredible. And those games are always hype. You know, playing. You know, at Cameron and at the Dean uh the Dean Dome. You know, just they. These games never disappoint. The players bring it all. Um, you know, they split the regular season like they typically do. Um, and I just love Duke, North Carolina. Whenever they play, I'm always pumped. It's must-watch TV for me. Uh, and this year, you know, both teams had some really good players. We were looking at Kennedy Meeks, Justin Jackson, uh, Joel Berry for North Carolina. We were looking at Jason Tatum. Grayson Allen, Luke Kennard for Duke, and you know those are just some of the bigger names in college basketball, and that's why I absolutely love it. They always produce names, two Hall of Fame coaches, uh, just incredible. And North Carolina ended up going on to win the national champion national championship this year. So uh, those two teams playing just must watch TV, and I loved it. Uh, I'll yeah, go. So, oh, you can go ahead. Go ahead. Go okay. ahead. Uh, just for me, I put John Jones, uh, Daniel Cormier. Um, 
this was just a very interesting, you know, rivalry between these two. I know, uh, DC, I wish we could have talked about it more with time. You know, uh, we had to do this and then we got, uh, NCAA, uh, we're going to get into next week. So, uh, would have liked to talk about the fight, but just, it was just weird between these two because you have Daniel Cormier. He's the clean cut individual, um, said the right things, handled his business right and all that, but, he was the bad guy in a lot of people's hearts. And then you had John Jones made mistake after mistake after mistake. Uh, one of the reasons why this fight, uh, couldn't happen, um, earlier, um, than expected was because, you know, he tested positive for a substance, um, and whatnot. But he was the good guy for a lot of people's uh, eyes coming into this fight. Um, John Jones, he went in there, he handled business, uh, the second time he sealed it off 2-0. He was the first person to take DC down and he was the first person to actually finish DC. Um, just one thing that I find interesting about this, you know, John Jones said that, you know, he just feels as if right now is his time. Um, John Jones is a great fighter, but I just think I feel bad for Daniel Cormier in a way because I think a lot of people are going to overlook his greatness due to John Jones. Uh, John Jones, uh, you know, no question about it, you know, he can easily go down as one of the greatest uh, fighters in the history of the UFC. But uh, Daniel Cormier, this guy was just an absolute beast. You know, he uh, wrestled, could knock you out, do everything in the octagon. But he just met John Jones. And I really just think, you know, this loss is going to, you know, just put a hamper on his career because a lot of people are not really going to, look at him as see him as I just truly how great he really is. So uh went into the fight, uh the second one, you know, both of them handled business, but you know, like I said, Jones was the one to get victorious. But uh this was just great just seeing these two in the ring. I doubt this would be a part three, just Jones winning both fights, but um, you know, just how each other were portrayed, you know, one's the bad guy's actually the good guy and the good guy's actually the bad guy. And I just, yeah. yeah, I just feel bad for DC, man, because I, I just really think a lot of people, um, are truly gonna just miss out on just how good this guy was, just due to John Jones. Yeah, uh, I mean, good picks for both of you guys. Uh, you can't go wrong with Duke UNC. I mean, this, uh, traditional rival there. So, I mean, it's always gonna be, be good. Uh, and then, Jones DC, they've been going back and forth for years. We finally got the the payoff from it uh, this past weekend, and yeah, Trey, like you said, it was always an awkward rivalry. I I, I look at it just kind of a a sign of the times. You know, everybody likes the antihero, yeah, uh, not, not the the clean cut good guy. So you know that made people lean more to Jones, and also in the fight game. Jones has a more exciting style. And I think that leads to some of it too. Yeah. Uh, but, but still, like I said, overall good picks. Uh, I, 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 mine, I, I went a little, uh, a little outside, outside. Yeah. I, I went a little yeah. outside the box with mine instead of making a direct competition. I mean, they, they competed uh, a few times, but, uh, I, I, I made mine, uh, KD versus Russ. Uh, you know, the, the story was there, you know, with the Thunder 
blowing a 3-1 lead to Golden State, uh, KD making the decision to go to Golden State, that rubs some people the wrong, the wrong way and, of course, turn Oklahoma City against him and, you know, split the country basically about whether he made the right decision or not there. And even though the games weren't very close when they played each other, it was still, like, must-see TV if you, oh, yeah. if you if you watch the intensity when they were playing each other, you you would think it was a one point game at all times or tied. Yeah. Uh, the way they were going back and forth, and you know it, it was it was enjoying it was it was an enjoying experience to watch it, mm-hmm. even though <laughs> you, the Warriors were smashing them every time. But you know, just to see those two like trying to prove dominance, uh, even if it can be with through their teams just trying to show that I was the better one playing each other even though nobody went and said that directly you could just see they were trying to prove it on the court and I just thought it was amazing to watch yeah, yeah you know I'll kind of give a not I don't want to call it a co-award because for me it's not a co-award but I guess it's like a second tier reward because it follows that like what did you guys think about you know Oklahoma City versus Kevin Durant just the city, the city itself, you know, with the whole cupcake and, you know, and then, and then I guess you could say Golden State versus the city of Oklahoma City because then Golden State Warriors answered with, you know, actually baking cupcakes and eating them. And I, who was it? Draymond Green had the cupcake hat. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like th- that was kind of like the sub rivalry to that KD Russ rivalry. Yeah. And, you know, it was, it was like the whole Cleveland LeBron thing all over again. Yeah. I mean, it, it was definitely an interesting side note to it. And, you know, yeah. you feel for the fans in Oklahoma City because, you know, they, they lost their favorite son, basically. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. To, uh, to the Warriors. And, you know, they, they were heartbroken. So they, they turned on him and tried to call it. But, I mean, it's, it's basically like they, they ended up trolling themselves because everything they threw at KD, oh, he came right out on top. Out. Yeah, and then to top it all off, they won the title. Like I, I at least feel like Russ still could get some redemption because oh, he won the MVP. So it's like, hey, I got the award for de facto possibly being the best player in the league, and, and you know, I, I did something that hasn't been done since Oscar Robinson. So yeah, yeah, you know, he he at least got the come away some with his held, head held high. But, you know, Oklahoma City as a whole, they, they, they took quite oh, yeah. a beating over the year. Oh, yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. But I guess to add on to that, uh, you know, we're also in a league of channel forget who you are. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, KD winning the championship is easily the last laugh. Mm-hmm. Um, Russell Westbrook winning MVP, it's like, yeah, that's great. And he had a heck of a season. But uh, I, I don't think that'll hold much water when you kind of throw the verbal jabs back and forth. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, KD can always just say scoreboard and, oh, I got this yeah. ring this ring right here. Yeah. <laughs> but do, do you guys feel like there will always kind of be, you know, an asterisk by that? You know, like KD, it's like, oh yeah, but he went to Golden State. Just like there's an asterisk by LeBron winning one in Miami. Well, his first one. Ah. It's like, well, LeBron had to join 
you know, Chris Bosh and all that. Like, for me, there's not. But do you guys feel like there will always be, like, that cloud hovering over that that's kind of like, well, he did have to go to, you know, Golden State. I, me I would say always. I, yeah, I guess it just depends on the the person, or but you know, history kind of always clouds things. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I mean, you, you guys were a little young, but I mean, I I remember in in the in the mid nineties when Rodman went to the Bulls, everybody was just like, "This isn't even fair." Oh, yeah. like, I, I don't even want to count these. This isn't even a real season. Then he won seventy games, like seventy two games, like. What's the point? Yeah. So, yeah. but I mean, but people still like now when you go back and look, it's just like, hey, Mike got six rings. Nobody says, well, he had Pippen and Rodman. Like, he, yeah. Yep. So I, I, I yeah. just think like once that next generation comes and, you know, it, especially the transitional generation that still sees that the end of KD's prime going into things, like, they'll still just look at him like, yeah, he, he got a ring. He's one of the greats. Because, I mean, even if you look at it now, like, some people still try to point out uh LeBron's first ring, especially when he does stupid things like saying he never played for a super team. That has yeah. to be brought back up. But but yeah, a lot of that had gone back down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, and, and, but people yeah. they look at LeBron now and go, "He's a three-time champion." Or, yeah. Oh, and so yeah. Well, and and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that I think we've come to the clear realization that no player can do it on their own. Um, I mean, MJ couldn't do it on his own. LeBron couldn't do it on his own. Um, Larry Bird couldn't even do it on his own. He needed yeah. some some key moments from other players, like. All, all of those greats, they had another great with them winning titles. Like af- after like yeah. basically eighty, eighty one or so, like you had yeah. to have multiple great oh, players. Oh, yeah. and, and and probably even before then, it's just you know I'm I'm yeah. not that old, so yeah, <laughs> I can't call out every team. Yeah, so and 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 I I completely agree. You know, it's just the fact that you need some help, but I think it's sad that we're not willing to at least admit the fact that like it's okay to need help. <laughs> Okay, guys, anything else to add to this? Nope. No. All right. Um, up next, we have the upset of the year. Uh, since we all, I think we all got the same thing, but it's, uh, yep, it's Mississippi State. A uh, sellout crowd in Tampa for the to, national championship rematch. Hold on. Uh, it's Mississippi State deciding to, well, yeah, go out there. And they just, didn't decide. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, they, you know, yeah, well, that was it. <laughs> they, they did to go out there and do it. Yeah. But yeah, go out there and, uh, upset, upset the lady Huskies. So, uh, 66 to 64 in overtime. Uh, Huskies had a 111 game winning streak mm-hmm. going into this one. And Mississippi State just went in there, did their thing and won. So, uh, I think a lot of people were shocked by this one, uh, for sure. Yeah, I, I don't know how much of that game you guys actually remember, but, you know, pivotal moment in the the overtime, you know, UConn had the ability to hold the ball for the last shot, and they took a shot with, like, 12 seconds left. Very uncharacteristic for Gino Ariano team. Yeah. And I remember saying, this is the, like, this is the defining moment, and I won't be shocked if they lose. And then... Mississippi State comes down and makes a shot with like three seconds or two seconds or something crazy. 
Um, but like, I, I just remember sitting there going, like, that's kind of a sad way to lose it for UConn. Like a moment where you should know better. And Gene Wariema, mastermind coach, you know, he gets the L and it's not even like really his fault. Like, I- I'm sorry, but that's a moment where one person's not really thinking and yeah, tries to be the hero and they just try to be the hero. Yeah. But I mean, at, at the end of the day, you know, we're looking at a great win for Mississippi State. They hung in there when a lot of other teams failed to even keep up. Um, you, you have to recognize that, you know, taking them to overtime, you know, there's a victory there in itself. Um, but to actually pull out the win, get to the national championship game, that's, you know, that was awesome. That was awesome. It, it, it was a good win. Great. You know, I enjoyed watching that game. Um, you know, I, I, I remember thinking, this game is the national championship. Uh, but, you know, UConn had a great run and it would eventually have come to an end. But, uh, for it to come to an end in that way seemed a little, little unfortunate for me. Like I would have liked to have seen it be a moment where you don't look at it and say UConn lost it. Not necessarily Mississippi State won it. But you also have to give the credit because, like I said, the state was there. They hung in, and they ended up pulling out the W. Yeah, I mean, they they put themselves in a position to win, they, and you know, so credit to them. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, anything else to add for this one? Uh, it'll be interesting to see what the next streak is for UConn women. Yeah. Yeah. No. It's going to fire back up there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. What was your favorite game? Um, I'll start this one off. Uh, I had Alabama versus Clemson, too, uh, for the playoff. Uh, the first one, first time these guys met, uh, was an instant classic, and this one was uh, another one. Um, Alabama had a little story going on. It's there with uh, their coaching. Uh, Lane Kiffin was getting ready mm-hmm. to depart, and they brought in Sarkeesian. Uh, a lot of people were worried about this, but Alabama started off uh, the game pretty good. Well, uh, they came into the fourth quarter with a uh, ten point lead, and then that was when Clemson started getting things getting things together. They scored twenty one in the fourth. Uh, particularly, um, a lot of people were mad about the uh, last play of the game uh, where Clemson refuses to just get a touchdown. Uh, about people, some people complaining about the pick uh, that Clemson used to get the touchdown, but at the end of the day. Uh, they won. This was just a great game. Clemson won 35 to 31. Uh, great plays from both teams out there. Both teams played hard. So, no, a lot of, you know, Bama fans were upset about it, but, um, it, it was a joy to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Darnell. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was definitely, I mean, it, it was a great game to watch. I wish the outcome would have been different personally, yeah. but, uh, <laughs> Had a good time watching it. I mean, any time a game comes down to pretty much the last play, you know, you got to your hands. Yeah. And, and you know, they, they were throwing heavyweight shots back and forth. Uh, you know, Alabama's running game was doing some work. And then, you know, then you have Watson just stepping up and, and being 
the amazing player that he is working the team downfield with his throws to to Williams to you know get him down there and get in position to win so you know amazing game to watch uh for myself though uh I was split uh but I I know Ty has one so I will go with uh my other choice I'll say uh the Super Bowl not the whole game, I guess. Second half. Yeah, yeah the second half, <laughs> the game inside the game, watching the comeback happen. Uh, uh, that was the amazing part. And, you know, just had crazy stuff going on through that game. And, you know, and, you know the story in itself of seeing Atlanta blow a lead like that, uh, yeah. heartbreaking for the city of Atlanta, who yeah. was another one of those destitute cities looking for uh, a Super Bowl. But, you know, Tom Terrific came back and did it again and, you know, probably ticked off Roger Goodell. Yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, I guess I'll quickly touch on both of your guys', um, you know, college football national championship, final second play. You can't ask for much more than that, really, in any national championship game. Um, like you said, the pick play, the quote-unquote pick play. Um, <laughs> yeah. We've seen it run constantly, but we, we, we haven't seen it run for a national championship. And, uh, you know, Dabo pulled it out. Uh, you know, and Deshaun Watts just hit the out route and dude walked into the end zone. It was, it was incredible. Um, you know, I think we, we all, you know, I know you guys, big, bigger Alabama fans, uh, we're hoping for a little bit of a different outcome there, but you know we all appreciate the game for what it was. Uh, one of the better national championships in our lifetime, uh, and I think at the end of the day, we're all happy with the fact that it was actually a game and good content rather than you know our your team winning. Yeah. And uh, for you know the Super Bowl, you know you you say the second half, but it took the first half to get that second half. So you, you kind of do have to say it was the whole game. And a yeah. lot of people think Atlanta had it in the bag. And, you know, I'll admit it. I was sitting there in my Tom Brady jersey, poured some Jack Daniels and said, <laughs> what's Tom, what, what, seriously, I said, what, what's Tom going to do? I didn't know that there was much he could do with, with the way that Falcons offense just seemed to be moving down the field. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know, like that. It seemed like the second half of that whole NFL season and all through the playoffs, that Falcons defense was playing out of their mind. Like they, they knew what to do and when to do it. Uh, but then, like you said, Darnell, Tom Terrific came out of, came out of the phone booth and took over him and the brilliance of Bill Belichick, I guess. Yeah. Uh, or I guess you say Josh McDaniels. Um, on that offensive side of the ball, they, they seem to call the right plays and some fortune came their way. I know you're going to allude to it a little later, so I won't bring it up, but, uh, heck of a Super Bowl, heck of a game. It's one people are going to talk about for a while. Uh, like you said, city of Atlanta still looking, still searching in all sports, really, for since the nineties. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So hopefully something comes their way pretty soon. Uh, but my game of the year, I'm going. World Series Game 7 between the Cubs and the Indians. Uh, you know, we had a ninth inning home run by the Indians to force extra innings. Um, you know, the game was in Cleveland. There was a rain delay. 
that lasted about 40 minutes. So it kind of left even more suspense to the suspense that already was a game seven. Yeah. Uh, and then the Cubs found a way to pull it out in the end. Uh, you know, I think for Chicago Cubs fans, it'll be an image that will last forever. You know, the ground ball to Chris Bryant. He, he smiled as he fielded the ball. He knew it was a play he was going to make. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think that's just so, you know, it's like a great player, uh, really a player who really hit the scene in Chris Bryant. Uh, you know, just smiling for the city of Chicago as a ground balls dribbled towards him. And he gives it to Rizzo and Rizzo throws the ball in his back pocket and they celebrated the mound. I mean, it, it was an incredible game. Uh, like I said, there was kind of drama all over it because one, it is a game seven, uh, but it was, you know, the Cubs haven't won in 108 years. The Indians haven't won one since I think the 50s. So it was like either way, you know, a starving franchise is going to get one here. Yeah. And, you know, it was the Cubs and it was great. So uh, I, that, I'm giving it to the World Series Game 7. Heck of a game played by both sides. Yeah, definitely still a very good choice. And, you know, that one... Yeah, like you said, you had history on both sides, but I think mm-hmm. people were a little bit, uh, had a little bit of Cleveland fatigue going. Since, yeah. You know, they had yeah. started, started actually winning stuff. Yeah. And so I, I think I, most people at that point in time outside of probably the city of Cleveland were, were Cubs fans. Oh, yeah. For, oh, yeah. Especially yeah. when that game seven hit. You, you know, and I, and I even brought it up to, to my family. I was like, is it coincidence? That the thirty for thirty documentary Believe One comes out, and a couple weeks later the Cavaliers win the championship. Now the Indians are in the finals. I'm like, this seems a little too fishy for me. <laughs> but you know, like I said, the Cubs deserved it. A lot of, a lot of heartbreak went went for those hundred eight years. So. Yeah, yeah. And Bar- Bartman got a World Series ring out of it. He did, he did. Yeah. which uh, I think is very classy of the Cubs because I mean that that man probably lived through hell for the last oh yeah well, he had to he go into hiding yeah he yeah. definitely did off like directly after it happened but you better believe that people were still Steve Bartman you know and, and all this and that and, you know for them to recognize like hey we get at it we're happy we won I they know that he's happy that they won the guy who probably has caught the worst break in that 108 years, like let's at least acknowledge him a little bit and say, Hey, you know, we forgive you. Let's move on. I I think that's pretty great. All right, guys. uh, Up next, we're about to get into our most memorable moment. Uh, I'll go first as Darnell just kind of brought it up a little bit ago. Uh, For me, it was the second half of the Super Bowl. Uh, the Patriots making that 28-3 comeback. Uh, at first, you know, the Super Bowl was not worth watching at all, just how Atlanta just started off and would just continue to just floor the Patriots. But, you know, you could never count out Bill Belichick coaching and Tom Brady on the field. So these guys pulled it together. Uh, Tom Brady had another one of his clutch moments for the Super Bowl. Uh, he helped lead the Patriots uh, to a victory. So that was my 
Yep. Uh, was, I mean, that that leads me to mind, so I guess I'll jump in here. Uh, the, that second half was memorable, and the cherry on top was a uh, crazy catch by Julian Edelman. Uh, Brady threw it to him. It was tipped by one of the Atlanta DBs, and the ball seemed to hang out for a while, and all of a sudden Edelman comes up with a fingertip grab with the ball like three centimeters off the ground and you know, <laughs> took it in for a catch. It was just like, you know, it was one of those times where you look at it and go, this is the most Patriots crap ever. Like, how did this happen? <laughs> well, one could argue that that moment happened because of the David Tyree catch. Yeah. One could argue. Um, they, but they, they were finally getting some luck back off of that. But. Yeah, a little bit. But, yeah. you, you know, I remember when that Edelman catch happened. It's like, did he catch that? And then it went to the review booth, and you're like, oh, my God, he caught it. <laughs> you know, you just you just couldn't believe that it actually happened. I got to be honest. Like, I mean, like, I'm, I'm not much of a Patriots fan uh, these days. I didn't even need a replay. I, I saw it. I was like, oh, he caught that. He wow, caught yeah. that damn ball. He caught it. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, you know, just that, that moment, that whole second half just seemed a little too surreal. Like, you're just watching them come back, and you're like, is this really happening? And, you know, they always say in a Super Bowl, there's always one play that happens that almost seems too unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was definitely that Edelman catch just... Couldn't believe it happened, but I think we also need to give a, you know, a small shout out here to the catch that Julio Jones made. Yeah. Because remember, yeah, he tiptoed, basically yeah. tiptoed the sideline and yeah. brought it in. And, and I think at that point, everybody thought maybe this is the moment Atlanta steals it back. Yeah. Um, yeah, heck of a catch. And a lot of people say those are the two best, two best catches in Super Bowl history. Uh, with, you know, the David Tyree catch maybe being the, you know, one C catch, you know, yeah. cause all, all those are incredible catches. Uh, but yeah, for, for my moment, I'm going to a moment or a, yeah, you know, a moment we talked about a little bit ago in, uh, the Alabama Clemson game, but that final second play that Clemson ran the, you know, that pick play, uh, you know, I just remember, you know, seeing the ball snapped and seeing that the guy was wide open at the top of the screen running that little out route. Just watching him walk into the end zone, you're kind of like, that's a great play that you can draw up with one second on the clock to have your guy secure a win. Like he was untouched, walked in the end zone. Now there is the controversy of the fact that was it a pick? Was it not a pick? I'm, I'm totally cool with there is one second left on the clock. Let it play out. Like unless it is. And obvious, we have to call it call. Yeah. I'm totally cool with the flags being put away, the whistles in the pocket. Like, let it be a defining sports moment. And, you know, the fact that Clemson won it, I mean, I know, you know, I guess we could say, you know, a lot of people are happy, a lot of people are sick of Alabama. But, uh, you know, I, I, I liked the fact that that game came down to the final second. I love the execution of a final second play, you know, because let's be real. Deshaun Watson could have been so hyped that he saw a wide open guy that he overthrew him. Yeah. Or the guy could have been so excited that he had a clear lane to the end zone and dropped the ball. 
a number of things could have happened that could have made that a devastating moment. But the execution was perfect, and Clemson won their national championship. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, anything else to add uh, for our pick for this award? Uh, all good moments. Yeah, for sure. All right. Up next, we have the Fight of the Year Award. Um, who wants to start off? Actually, you know, Ty, uh, I think you have, uh, you start off, because me and Darnell, yeah, we kind of got the I'll easily, I'll easily start this one. Yeah. Um, mine actually happened on a fight night. Um, I remember I texted Trey, and I'm like, who the heck's this Korean zombie that they're talking about? <laughs> and, you know, Trey gave me a little background, uh, you know, this guy was a name in the UFC, and then he had to leave for Korean military duty. Uh, that is required among South Koreans. And he was coming back first fight since his military leave. And dude was getting pounded. He was getting bloodied up. Uh, thought he was easily going to lose this fight. But then he comes out of nowhere and knocks out, you know, the other guy. And it was actually, uh, Dennis Bermudez that he was fighting. Yeah. Uh, and and I, I just remember telling Trey, I was like, this dude is awesome. Like, <laughs> coming off of a military leave, just having that be your first performance, like, that is, that's awesome. So, you know, I was like, dude, props to that guy, uh, you know, doing his thing for his home country, coming back, getting a fight, you know, winning the fight, and coming back in the fight. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was super impressive. Um, that was kind of a moment for me. That's th- that was when I was still first starting to watch the UFC. So that's one of the first fights I remember. Uh, that one will always stand out to me a little bit. Um, I guess I could safely say the Korean Zombie is my favorite fighter. Um, so you know that that one has a little soft spot for me. So um, <laughs> that that'll be my fight of the year. All right. Uh, Darnell and I, we have the same one. Uh, this Woodley and Thompson one, definitely not two. Uh, that one was pretty <laughs> bad, but, uh, Darnell, uh, I'll let you get into it. Uh, Woodley Thompson one. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was a pretty hype fight. I mean, you had two guys coming in, uh, Woodley coming off the high of knocking out Robbie Lawler dethroning somebody that seemed like a cyborg and was unbeatable yeah. that was just built to take as much damage as you throw at him and then you got Thompson who was on fire with everybody with you know different style uh karate bay style so where he's throwing lots of punches and awkward kicks uh lots of kicks uh yeah. more than most any fighter throws uh, outside of leg kicks, like he was throwing them all over. You catch him in the head and the waist and everything. So, you know, uh, you have a super athlete in Woodley. You have a very unorthodox as far as MMA as a whole uh, fighter as far as Thompson. Like, it, it was just ready-made for fireworks, and we got it. Like, these two, they they were leaving it all out there. They both had something to prove. There have been a lot of talk back and forth between them. Uh, 
Thompson trying to say Woodley's running from him and doesn't want to fight him and stuff like that. So uh, it was just ready made and it lived up to expectations. They they went back and forth. They were throwing bombs at each other and they they left it out there. Yeah, happy watching that fight. Definitely. Uh, you know, just to remember people, this was a uh, majority draw. Uh, it's 48-47, one of the George judges scored it at, uh, for uh, Woodley, and the other two scored at 47-47. So that just shows, you know, just how these guys were going at it. Um, just You mentioned it, Darna. I just love the styles of the two. You know, you have uh, Woodley, who can go out there, knock you out, and just a tremendous wrestler. And then you have Thompson uh, out there, you know, bouncing around on his feet, just kicking you everywhere, man, uh, just to knock you out with kicks, uh, you know, use those punches and set those kicks up and everything. So it was just a fun um, style. It's just a fun match to see these two use their styles and just um, go at it. You know, they say styles make matches, and uh, their styles definitely made that uh, first match. So uh, just remarkable to watch. Uh, I got to give you a shout out too, man. Um, another one that I was thinking about was uh, you put me on a Duho Choi. Uh, remember we was covering him for uh, one of the uh, pay per views, I believe, and uh, he was like, "Yeah, man, we should talk about this guy seeing him fight." And I was like, "Okay, I don't know nothing, uh, nothing really about this guy." So uh, it was him, you know. He went up in there and uh, fought Cub Swanson, and these two were just going at it. Cub Swanson, uh, he did end up being the victor in this fight, but, uh, Choi, he's a young fighter. I'm going to be looking forward to see him, uh, fight again. I believe he was supposed to fight on a 214 card, but, uh, he got injured. Um, so, but this yeah. is a guy that, um, definitely going to be looking forward to down the road. Uh, just how he was just taking those punches and also just delivering punishment to Cub Swanson. Uh, Cub Swanson's not a guy to sleep on, uh, by any means. So, um, definitely going to be looking forward to see Choi back in the ring again. Agree. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, up next, let's just go right to fighter of the year. Um, who do you guys got? Yeah. Uh, do you want to go there now? Uh, go with mine. Uh, also went, uh, tried to give give credit to both sexes here uh very year went with uh jj uh and chaychik uh pretty much just unstoppable so uh yeah i don't i don't know how you don't call I'll give her credit where credit is due uh fighter of the year uh my picks probably aren't popular with most mma fans just because of the style <laughs> they fight Eight and they don't get marketed well, you know. as well, too, man. So you got to think of that. So, I agree. Yeah. So, uh, but I, I went with, uh, Tyron Woodley and, and DJ, basically co-fighters of the year. Uh, I, I know everybody's jumped back on, uh, Johnny Bones' bones. So <laughs> <laughs> that's a good way to put it, man. <laughs> yeah. But I, I do still feel like DJ is the best pound for pound fighter. I mean, he's. Pretty much untouchable in every fight he's they had. Search her, they search yeah. her basically everywhere in the world to find somebody to compete with this guy, and he's not yeah. ready. So, yeah, you can't. Yeah, 
Yeah. And and Woodley, I mean, his last two fights haven't been the most exciting. Uh he, he I mean I, I he he looked a little bit like a, a black version of GSP. Yeah, that's what he, some people were saying. He's, yeah. he's fighting off of game plans and not like trying to go out and, and finish people or have an amazing knockout and put himself out there to get knocked out. Uh, but you know, he's, he's cool and clearly beating people. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not like he's, it's not like he's having questionable decisions where he's eking out victories. I mean, he's, he thoroughly beat me and Maya Saturday, uh, where it was clear who the better fighter was. Uh, he clearly won the second fight against, uh, even though. Oh, it wasn't a pretty fight. And, you know, and he did have the exciting fight of, of their first fight where, you know, he's in fight. Yeah. So, I mean, just from the caliber of the fighters that he fought and he won all of those fights, I, I think he deserves credit there. Yeah. Uh, I'll go. I agree with, uh, you on yeah. JJ. Um, well, just real quick, yeah, you didn't I, have I, anything I, else to add, did you, Darno? No, it doesn't. Oh, okay. But, uh, yeah, tr- Trey, be- be- before you get going, I'll just jump into and say I'm right with you guys on JJ. Okay. Well, yeah, I agree with, uh, JJ. Uh, just tremendous. I, I wanted, I wanted to give my, it's in my girl Cyborg. Uh, I just want to mm-hmm. see how she continues to make weight. Uh, cause like I said, she's a big girl. She has to, uh, you know, drop a lot of weight to make that class. So, um, but, uh, you know, yeah, JJ, her stand up and everything is just tremendous. Uh, just goes into the ring, uh, great conditioning. Guy has amazing hands. She can just hit you, uh, bounce around and just do whatever, have her way with, uh, her opponent. So, uh, JJ, uh, definitely my female fighter of the year. Uh, I gave it to Tyron Woodley. I was thinking about, uh, Demetrius Johnson. Um, but I gave it to Tyron, uh, just because, uh, he's just been a little bit busier, um, than DJ. Uh, Tyron has fought, uh, Basically, um, four fights, um, in a year span, uh, going up from when he fought Lawler to, uh, last week's fight. Uh, that was four fights in a year. So he's definitely been busy. He went out there. He knocked out Lawler, uh, which was tremendous. A lot of people thought Lawler was going to be the man that was going to be unbeatable, uh, but he knocked him out, had a tremendous fight with, uh, Thompson for his first one. Both those fights, uh, he had an opportunity to knock out, uh, Thompson, uh, cold, uh, he was very close. Uh, he rattled him pretty good. Um, and this one, a lot of people was complaining about, uh, him versus Maya. Um, I would have, I would have loved to seen him knock him out, uh, knock Maya out. Uh, but just one thing that I just found absolutely amazing about that last fight was this guy had a torn shoulder and stuffed every takedown from Maya. Uh, 23, uh, defended 23 out of 23. Uh, takedowns from Maya. So that guy's no joke. Uh, the strength and, uh, his just will, uh, was just absolutely tremendous. So I had to give it to Tyron Woolley just uh, with his, uh, schedule. And, uh, you know, you beat Lawler, you beat Thompson, and, uh, Maya's no joke either. So you beat those guys. Uh, you mean serious business. It, well, and to jump back in a little bit on that one. I think some of the issue with the Maya fight was because people still had a sour taste in the mouth from against Thompson. Yeah. Uh, but I that, mean, that was that, that part two, uh, the second fight that they had, uh, that was kind of making me lean towards DJ a little bit, but 
I decided yeah. to give it to him, but um, which I, I I can get that, but I mean it's just leading into the Maya fight. But like, I'm sorry, like if you're smart, you fight that way against Damian Maya because if you leave yourself open for that guy to get you down, yeah, it's probably only a matter of time before he's got some kind of joint lock or he's got your neck and yeah, you look stupid. So exactly, you know, uh, I wanted to talk about it, uh, you know, about him and Dana, but you know, he was talking about it, uh, on an interview he had with, uh, Awani. You know, he was like, what do people want me to do? I was like, I was clearly one of the first four rounds. Like, y'all want me to go out there, get risky, try to knock this guy out, and he somehow catch me off guard, takes me down, and finishes me. Like, I'm not, you know, that I, I still want that belt. You know, that guy's no joke. So he, you know. Like I said, to do that with that torn label is is just it's amazing. Yeah. All right, uh, Ty, you next. Man. Yeah. Um, uh, I guess since I'm not as well first in the UFC as you guys are, I'm gonna give it to uh John Jones. And no, I'm not all over his bones. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, just honestly, I, I think it's pretty incredible that you know he's able to come off a pretty lengthy leave from the UFC and fight Daniel Cormier with the ease that he made it appear. Uh, Daniel Cormier, I, you know, I, I remember I saw his last fight and he looked great. Um, he looked real poised to come in and make some noise against John Jones and Jones put all of that talk to rest. Like he said, I, sick of people thinking he can fight me and I'm going to end it. And he did. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't have guessed anyone to be, you know, to not fight in the length of time that Jones has fought, hasn't fought and win again, you know, win against a guy who has the belt with that much ease. Um, and the only guy to knock out DC. So yeah. And, and, and I'll, I'll tell you what, that kick to the head had DC wobbling around yeah. that octagon. Oh yeah, he looked bad. Oh, it was, <laughs> I'll admit though, I'm a little shocked that uh, you know the ref didn't step in a second too. I'll I'll say that. Yeah, um, he, he, it's that was just giving the champion as much chance. Oh, as you I can. I agree. I, I agree, but I felt I felt there was the kick to the head, then there was the body kick that sent DC down, and then I felt like Jones was on top of him for too long. But yeah. I, I agree, you do have to give DC at least the opportunity to get back up. The uh, DC um, was looking after the uh, he, he looked, yeah. he looked lost. He, he looked like he was questioning where he was, what just happened. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, D, like I said, DC was looking real poised going into that fight, and John Jones, without much discussion. Yeah. So. Um, I'll, I'll give it to John Jones, you know, the premier weight class. Yeah. And, you know, and I guess that's to the point you, you were making trades like that weight class gets a ton of publicity where Mighty Mouse, it's like, if you don't know UFC, you're not going to know who he is. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, anything else to add, uh, for the fighters? No. Okay. No Mayweather McGregor picks at all, guys? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> no. And I still won't pick them after this month. <laughs> all right. 
up next we have the coach of the year. Uh, I'll just go. Um, I had Bill Belichick. Um, I just thought that, you know, just with what he was faced with during the season, uh, to start the games, start the season off, uh, missing arguably the greatest quarterback of all time and Tom Brady for four games. Uh, the guys that he put in for his place, he made those guys look good. Um, just due to injuries, uh, some of them he had to, you know, keep, keep swishing it up a little bit, but, uh, his quarterbacks were performing well. Uh, he just has a good system, uh, built for his, uh, QBs. And then Tom Brady comes in there, uh, has a remarkable season, uh, gets everything going. And then just to finish it off with that 28-3 comeback, uh, for the Super Bowl, um, just shows great poise for Bill Belichick. So. Yeah. Uh, great pick there. Not many people can go three and one with a second and third string quarterback. Yeah. Like, let, let's, let's be real. They had to start a guy named Jacoby Brissett and they won a game. So. Yeah. Um, incredible stuff to start a four game stretch of the season. Uh, and I think you could even go one step farther and give to that whole coaching staff, you know, Josh McDaniels and, you know, all the coordinators and every, everybody. I mean, everybody had to step in there and they all did their job and it was, it was pretty great. Uh, for my coach here, I'm going to go Dabo Sweeney, uh, you know, back, back national championship games, uh, overcame the hurdle that was Alabama. Uh, great last second play. I don't know if it was him who drew it up or not, but, uh, you know, just he, in the post game interview, you could just tell he was so proud of his guys and so proud, you know, of Clemson and you know, the community and everybody. And, you know, I, I just feel like he is the kind of guy that players want to play for. Um, you know, hearing him speak in multiple interviews, you, know, you just felt happy for him that he won a national championship, that he coached a great team new national championship. And to beat Alabama just made it that much better for everybody else who doesn't like Alabama. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to give mine to Dabo Sweeney. Uh, I, I think winning the national championship in college football is one of the harder tasks out there. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, I mean, both good picks by you guys. Uh, I thought hard about this one because, uh, you know, usually you want to give it to a coach that won a title. Uh, but I guess for me, I, I wanted to uh, give some credit to a coach that I really don't like and I, yeah. I've given a lot of, <laughs> lot of I was trouble to him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, it, it was getting close on the hardwood. I was thinking about this guy and I was thinking about, you know, you got Curry, you got uh, you got LeVar Ball with the AAU team. Oh, curveball. Yeah. But no, so I, I went with, uh, Mike D'Antoni. Uh, just what he did with the Rockets this year was, you know, he, he turned, like he, he, he took Harden up to another gear, uh, basically made him an MVP candidate and he made that offense lethal. Uh, still, they could use some defense. I, I, I won't uh, lay off of that. I mean, if if they if they could have played any defense this year, they probably would would have been a, at least in the conference finals. Yeah. Uh, but you know, but I got to give credit where credit was due. I think he he did an amazing amazing job coaching the the players that he had because I mean, as I look at it, I don't think that roster was like super stacked by any means, yeah. but. 
uh, with uh, Harden running the show and putting his offense in place, they were scary. Yeah. Don't forget, yeah, he had he, uh, Gordon. He had him get six man of the year as well. So, yeah, he had that bench. Yeah, you know, I think when, when we watched him coach Phoenix, everybody was just amazed at what they were doing, you know, that whole six-second offense thing. But here, I feel like it wasn't really a gimmick. Um, he actually coached players, and it didn't really revolve around a system. Like, there wasn't a, a, a gimmick here. It was This was legit coaching basketball. We're not going to try and outrun people. We're just going to use our athleticism, get down the floor, shoot a lot of threes, make a lot of threes. And I think the job he did with Harden at point guard was phenomenal. I don't think you can question what happened there. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see how he handles Chris Paul this coming year. Mm-hmm. Uh, how oh, he somehow either evolves his game or utilizes Chris Paul to the offense that's already a juggernaut. Maybe he can advance them to you know, third in the Eastern or third in the Western Conference. Maybe second in the Western Conference if they catch a, you know, maybe a little bit of a down year from the Spurs or something. I don't know, but uh, I think it'll it'll be interesting to see what he does with the new addition of Chris Paul that's coming here. All right, Darnell starting to like oh Mike D. So <laughs> I didn't go that far. <laughs> I said I was giving credit. <laughs> All right. Uh, up next, we have the male athlete of the year. Um, I'll do this just to touch a little bit on, you know, kind of what I said, of, you know, with uh, Belichick. But I gave it to Tom Brady uh, just for his age. You see a lot of people, a lot of quarterbacks, uh, specifically around his age, uh, you really start to see a dip in their numbers. Uh, but he came back off that uh, four-game suspension uh, that he was dealt. And, uh, really took the league by storm, uh, had a 67, uh, completion percentage, uh, threw for over a little bit over 3,500 yards, had 28 touchdowns, two interceptions with a 112 QB rating. So, uh, definitely, uh, was game, uh, to have a successful year. And then for him to, like I said, come from that 28 to three, uh, first half in the Super Bowl and then win it, I think, uh, he did, he did just caught my eyes for, for him to just win the award. Yeah, um, Tom Brady. Sorry, Tom Brady, phenomenal. Uh, you know, just to miss the first four games of the season and then play like an MVP for 12 games. Uh, just he led that team to the Super Bowl. They fought for him those first four games, and he fought for them for the last 12. Um, You know, just a complete, and I guess I want to pick my words careful, but he's a a complete pro. Um, You know, there's a lot of debate over Deflate Gate, Spy Gate that he gets lumped into. Um, Now, granted, Deflate Gate had more to do with him personally, but, you know, Spygate, he got wrapped into and, and all that. But, uh, you know, just a Hall of Famer, uh, five time, five time Super Bowl champ, I believe. Uh, yeah. or four times. Yeah, five times, cause five, Montana. Five. Yeah. yeah, Montana. Yeah, anyway. 
Uh, but yeah, just I, I think that's a great pick. Um, for me, I'm actually going with KD. Uh, and the reason I'm going with KD, I know he wasn't the MVP of the league or anything, but uh, I really liked how he adjusted to the Golden State power, I guess. Um, we we began the NBA season wondering what's he going to sacrifice, what's everybody else going to sacrifice, and it seemed like there really wasn't much that got sacrificed. It seemed like everybody just kind of fit in. Everybody was unselfish. Everybody was willing to push everybody else, and I think a lot of that had to do with, Kade, with Katie's attitude and Katie's determination going into Golden State. Uh, I think he had, you know, a fantastic year. Now, granted, this wasn't one of his MVP years, but, uh, you know, I think he, in my opinion, this may have been his best year. You know, his efficiency numbers were through the roof. He was doing a lot more on the floor with a lot less opportunity. Um, you know, he shot at a great percentage. He still had really good points per game. Uh, I, I even think his defense took a step up this year. Uh, you know, I think some of that has to do with playing under the defensive player of the year. But, you know, I just feel like his game still took another step, even though it seemed like he had to do a lot more team play rather than individual play. So I was just real impressed with what KD did this year. Uh, I really enjoyed watching him and Golden State play all year long. Uh, it'll be, once again, interesting to see what they do next year. But, you know, I think what KD did was very impressive. Yeah. Surely just showed his, uh, just efficiency, uh, efficiency with, uh, just how great he is this year, you know, for him to share with those guys and still just put up the numbers that he's put up, uh, it shows how great he is. Yeah, I totally agree, uh, which is why I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm half agreeing with you. Um, <laughs> this is another one where I gave a co. Uh, but it's in the same arena. Uh, I did agree on KD, uh, but it was mainly for postseason. Uh, the, oh, his, yeah, yeah, postseason. The way he stepped up. Yeah. I mean, it, especially you get to the finals where he was matched up going toe to toe with LeBron. He, I mean, for that point in time, I'm, I'm still not on the bandwagon of saying KD is the best player in the league, but he was the best player on the floor during that series. Yeah. Uh, any any time a big shot needed to be made, he made it, and that was with LeBron on him uh, at, at a lot of those times too. Yeah. So uh, you see, he was a man on a mission. He wanted to to win that title, and and damn it, he went and got it. Uh, but uh, on the other half of that, it leads me back to the rivalry, uh, and I gotta I gotta give Russ his due as well. Uh, the guy guy won an MVP. Uh, he put a terrible team on his back, got him to the, uh, to the playoffs. And, you know, he, he did something that hasn't been done in 40 years, averaging a triple double. So, I mean, he, he had to, he, he took on a lot of responsibility and he handled it as well as you could think, being the only star on a team with really no other moving parts. And, and it showed when, he stepped, when he was off the court, that team turned to garbage. Uh, and, and he, he even took on the leadership there to try not to cause division on his own team 
Uh, like I remember one of the press conferences where he basically wouldn't allow the media to ask about falls apart when he's off the court. Yeah. So, uh, I got to give him some credit there. Uh, so basically I'm splitting the, the award there with, with those two. Yeah. And, and I, and I would definitely agree. I mean, I remember before the season even started, we all said that Russell Westbrook would screw around an average trip level. Yeah. I don't think we saw the triple double record, but it was, it was pretty phenomenal watching him go out and just every night make it look easy. Yeah. You know, he'd almost have the triple double by halftime. Yep. True. All right, guys, up next, we are about to get into our female athlete of the year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess I'll go first here since you two had the same one, but I, uh, even even though we did pick in the same realm, which I'm a little bit surprised by, yeah. uh, but I'm going to go with Olympic swimmer Katie Ledecky. Uh, won five gold medals in the silver in Rio. Um, and it, it was great stuff to watch. She was winning, you know, swimming events by body lengths. She wasn't winning it by seconds. She was winning it by, you know eight, nine, ten body lengths. And, uh, you know, the fact that she was doing it at the age of 19 years old, you know, is pretty awesome. Um, yeah. her, you know, set records. And, you know, we're all saying she's not even in her physical prime yet. Um, you know, she's she might hit that at the next Olympics. So uh, I, I really enjoyed watching her, you know, give it a go this year, win the five golds, represent the country. Um, you know, you always hear athletes say that there's nothing like representing your country and to represent it that well and as well as your guys's, you know, uh, winner, uh, is pretty awesome stuff. You want to take, take, take our stray? Yeah, I'll take it. Uh, me and Darnell, uh, we both had some more miles. Uh, you know, Tyler, you had a good one too. Um, you know, with, uh, Katie, but, uh, this one was uh, Simona. Just enjoying watching her, um, you know, doing her things with the gymnastics. Uh, for me, um, I'm always uh, when it comes to the female athletes, I'm always big on Serena. Uh, but you know, with her uh, with the pregnancy and everything that she's uh, dealing with right now, um, and just also uh, really uh, only get a chance to shout out the uh, Olympic athletes, you know, every four years. So. Uh, with Simone, uh, what she's been doing, she won five, uh, medals, uh, with her Olympic trials, uh, in 2016. So, uh, just was remarkable. Um, we really want to see, uh, what she's going to continue to deliver uh, down the road, but, uh, you know, just very entertaining to see her. Yeah. Uh, just to add a little bit, I mean, she was, she was the crown jewel for that women's gymnastics team that pretty much dominated everything at the Olympics. Uh, what do they call them? The furious five, fabulous yeah. five, something like that. Yeah. But uh, they, they, they were amazing. And, and, and she and herself, like she was a head and shoulders above yeah, all of them. Five. So yeah. even final though she's, five, that's it. That's yeah. it. Even though she's what, four foot, Nine. Yeah, she's short. Yeah, yeah. even though she's, she's very short, still <laughs> head and shoulders. Short, but head and shoulders in the town. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, she was amazing. And yeah, and like Trey said, you only get the Olympics once every four years. So you definitely want to, uh, give, give notice to the accomplish there. All right, guys, we're about to get into our final award, which is Team of the Year. Uh, who do you guys have? I guess I'll start it off again. Uh, I went with the Chicago Cubs in eight years, and they finally break through. You know, I I said I didn't. I don't know if I said it to you guys, but I, you know, I said it to uh, a couple of my other buddies. Uh, you know. The Chicago Cubs winning the World Series will be the story of the decade for, for sports in terms of, you know, a team story. Probably not, but, uh, you know, in terms of a sports franchise, I feel like the Cubs will have the story of the decade. Um, you know, like I said, 108 years, that, that's, that's a long time. I, you know, the Cubs have had all those close calls. They've been nicknamed the lovable losers. You know, it just seems like they've been the national team that couldn't do it. You know, the team that has fans everywhere you go, but they don't have a championship to hold on to. And for them to win it in a game seven, you know, on the road with the rain delay, just adding to the drama. Uh, Season. When you're when you're coached very well, you tend to play very well, and the Cubs just had all the pieces last year. Um, I, I was happy to see them win, and I was kind of pulling for them. I mean, I didn't really care who won, but I you know I wanted to see them win, and uh, you know I, I just couldn't imagine, even though I'm well on my way to waiting 108 years for the Lions, <laughs> you know I, I I don't know that I can imagine 108 years. That that just seems like an awfully long time. That's that's a generation going through without seeing a championship. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I was I was happy for the Cubs. That was history, and uh, that's why I'm giving them my team of the year. I'll let you uh, close it out, Darnell. Um, I was I had to change the heart. Um, <laughs> I was going to go with the Patriots, uh, just with you know Brady and Belichick, but. Um, you know, every year with them, you know, they're one of the favorites, uh, you know, to win a championship and whatnot. But, uh, but I'm, I'm going to go agree with Tyler on this one, uh, just with the Cubs, with that team. Uh, they were a team. I, I, a lot of people weren't really, you know, picking them, huge on them, uh, winning, uh, the World Series. Um, you know, uh, I was actually, I was sharing for the Cleveland, uh, to beat them actually, but, um, they went in there, uh, caught a lot of people off guard and had that remarkable game seven on the road with the rain, rain delay. Um, and just found a way to pull it off, uh, with all those years, uh, they won for the city. So yeah, I had to change the heart. I wasn't going to pick the Patriots, but, um, sh- Chicago, what they, uh, were able to do. Um, and a lot of people just weren't, uh, you know, picking them to be that successful, uh, last year. So. You know, can, can I just say, of course you were cheering for Cleveland. Yeah. It seems like whoever everybody's cheering for, you want the other team to win it. Yeah. So, uh, of course. That's Trey. Yeah. Yes, it is. <laughs> Anybody but, who knows it. Yep. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, I agree with you guys. The Cubs are 
definitely a, a very good choice uh, for it. I didn't go with them, but uh, I, I could see why anybody would pick them, and I wouldn't argue either about it. Uh, they're definitely worthy, and I, I feel good for uh, the Chicago fan, the Chicago Cub fans that had to deal with all that flack of you know being rooting for a loser and sitting in stands like that. Like I said, we know about that cheering for the Lions. Uh, but uh, for me, I, I guess I'm the one that went with the juggernaut powerhouse team because I feel like they backed it up. But uh, I went with the Warriors. Uh, team goes to the playoffs only losing one game and having a point differential like they did basically every game winning by double digits. Uh, I, I just, I could not, couldn't not pick them. Uh, I, I know people say that the deck was stacked and they, they did have a lot of talent on this team, but they, they weren't one of those. They, they did what they were supposed to do. Yeah. Uh, and, and I, I just want to, you know, give them that credit for that. Uh, last year, everybody was able to mock the Warriors for going, uh, 73 and nine and not winning the title. I want to give them the credit for, you know, going just, Based in through the through the playoffs and you know dropping that one game in the finals, but you know that was the only blemish. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know one thing about you know this Golden State team, I was I was actually as I thought about it, I was I was actually more satisfied with the fact that they had one year where it was the regular season and next year where it was the postseason because as you know, debate and argue and make a case. Having you know those performances happen in different seasons only adds to the debate, adds to the argument of who is the best team of all time. Right. Um, it, it would be very boring if they went seventy three and nine, basically ran their way to the finals, won the championship. And it's kind of like, well, you can't argue with that. <laughs> Now it's like, <laughs> we have argument, we have substance, we have clear debate that can actually happen. And for me, that's way more enjoyable than, yeah, well, the best. <laughs> you know, here you can make cases and all this and that. But, uh, you know, this year, Golden State, awesome team, awesome roster. Um, that postseason was unreal for them. It was fun watching Cleveland try and keep pace as well. Uh, but, you know, Gold, Golden State deserved to win the national, or the national championship, the NBA <laughs> championship, talking college. But, the, you know, they deserved it. They they were the better team. Uh, and, and I think, even though you picked Cleveland, Trey, I think we all knew it. I think we all knew they were the better team. So, yeah. I'm totally cool with the better team winning, even though I like the upsets. I'm I'm always cool with the better team coming through. Yeah. Like you said, Darn, I'll do what you're supposed to do. All right, guys. Uh, any comments uh, before we close this off? Congratulations to everybody that won our fake award show. <laughs> yeah, that, that gets nothing and. Will never get yeah. anything from us. Yeah. Yeah. There will be no hardware set out for this. <laughs> maybe, maybe a Twitter shout out if I get bored this week. Yeah. Hey, KD, congratulations! You won my male athlete of the year. 
Yeah. Right. He might respond, nah. Yeah, like, who <laughs> yeah. the hell is this nah. guy? <laughs> nah. <laughs> All right, as always, I appreciate you guys uh, for tuning in. Uh, you can find this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, SoundCloud. Uh, just hit us up in the search bar. Uh, we should be able to pop up. Um, also, check us out on Twitter, uh, at DKM underscore cast. Uh, looking forward to hearing from you guys and everything like that. Uh, but as always, like I said, we appreciate y'all for tuning in. Uh, take care. Peace out.